Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Titus 2, verse 12. Everything now aligns to this God who saved me by grace. Amen? I don't get to define it for myself now. I've been saved by a God of grace, but he has expectations, and his expectations are, I'm putting you in school now. I know it's going to take some time. We can all be of good cheer, right? We're in school for many years, pretty much in school our whole lives, right? You never stop learning. You never stop growing. So be of good cheer. You're saved by grace. You don't earn it. But the rest of your life, you're in a school teaching you to deny worldly appetites, an anti-God mindset. You know, when you get into the weeds of the world, that's pretty much what motivates the world is an anti-God mindset, verse 12. And here's the positive. We're to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in this present age. Three positives. We deny ungodliness and worldly desires. Two negatives. The positives are Live a sensible life, live a righteous life, and live a godly life in this present age because this present age isn't all that there is. That's the difference between you as a believer and a non-Christian. A non-Christian, whether they admit it or not, thinks this is all that there is. So they're living for all the gusto they can get right now. And even the gusto they get oftentimes doesn't do anything for them. Sometimes it's a moment of pleasure and they still feel regret. They still feel emptiness. And you come along wearing the clothing of light ah, (laughs) in the company. Shoot, (laughs) it's Monday morning, dude. Why are you so shiny? People putting on their sunglasses around you. Because I've been touched by grace. That's why I live sensibly, righteously, and godly in this present age because I'm not just living for this this present age. I'm living for what verse 13 says. I'm looking, you have the ESV, NIV, it says I'm waiting for something called the blessed hope. That is the appearing, second use of epiphany here. The first coming is in verse 11. The second coming is in verse 13. I'm looking for the epiphany, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus. You might want to mark this verse because this is a verse that is unambiguous, definite. Jesus Christ is God. He is our great God and Savior. Now, some people say, oh, no, no, no. Titus 2.13 has to be separated. There's a great God and then Jesus is our Savior. No, the Bible teaches over and over again that Jesus Christ is God, second person of the Holy Trinity, right? 100% man, 100% God. He is God, and Titus 2.13 says, we are waiting for the arrival. By the way, when you survey the New Testament, you don't see verses that teach the Father is coming again. Who's coming again? The Son, he's coming, and every eye will see him, right? The Father sent the Son at the first coming, 
And I think the New Testament evidence is strong that the one who's coming again is the son, amen? He made the first epiphany, and he's making the second appearing. The son is the subject, therefore I take the verse clearly that Jesus Christ is our God and Savior, and he is the one who is appearing. We're looking for the appearing of what? The glory. Now, when he was here in the first epiphany, he kind of veiled his glory in humanity. Remember when he was up on the Mount of Transfiguration and he showed some of that glory, right? Zip down the jacket a little bit. Ah! <laughs> on the Mount of Transfiguration, right? And he was, the glory cloud was there and Moses and Elijah appeared with him. It's kind of a foretaste of what is coming. And here's what I believe is going to happen. I believe that when the sun, moon, and stars go out in the end times, that in a darkened sky, the glory of this one who is God is going to appear again. This is what the Bible teaches in Matthew 24 and Luke 21. Let's just take a peek at Luke 21 because I think hopefully this will excite us as Christians. Here's what we're looking for. We're looking for the appearing of the glory, Luke 21. And that is of our great God and Savior. Luke 21, 25. Some hard stuff is in this chapter that relates to the fall of Jerusalem and then to a future hard time for humanity. And Jesus is speaking and he says, Luke 21, 25, There will be signs in the sun and moon and stars, 21, 25, and upon the earth dismay among nations, in perplexity at the roaring of the sea and the waves, men fainting from fear and the expectation of the things which are coming upon the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken, and then they will see the Son of Man, that's a way to describe the Messiah, And he will be coming in a cloud with what? Power and great glory. But when these things begin to take place, straighten up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Flip over to Matthew 24 for a second. Matthew 24. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Look at the same content is here. And Jesus... It's talking about a second coming. This is 2427 of Matthew. He says, For just as the lightning, Matthew 2427, comes from the east and flashes even to the west, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. Just a simple idiom. It'll be as plain as the nose on your face, or when vultures are flying above something that has died on the ground. Matthew 24, 29. But immediately after the tribulation in the, of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and, and they, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, You can write down Revelation 1-7 there. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with what? Power and great glory. Here's the appearing of the glory. And he will send forth his angels with a great trumpet. 
and they, the angels, will gather together his elect. I believe this is the rapture here. And this tells us something about the rapture. The angels are doing the gathering, gathering the elect from the four winds from one end of the sky to the other. I'm hoping that Michael's gonna pick me up because I kind of like that name. Anyway, <laughs> let's go back, go back to Titus. Jesus talks about his glory several times in his sermons. He says the Son of Man is going to come in the glory of his Father, Matthew 16, 27. He says in Matthew 25, 31, then the Son of Man, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left. What are we looking for? The appearing of the glory. His glory is going to make a display in the sky. 1 John 3, 1 through 3 says, See how great a love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God, and such we are. For this reason the world does not know us because it did not know him. 1 John 3, 1 through 3. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we shall be. We know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him just as he is, and everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. 1 John 3, 1 through 3. The second coming, I live in the light of the second coming. That's part of the school of grace. I live in the light of an age to come. And in the ages to come, God is going to show me the exceeding riches of his grace. He's going to show me a, a shining city and a place where it says there are many mansions. Amen? It doesn't say apartments. It says mansions. <laughs> At least in one of the translations. Dwelling places. This is the blessed hope. The blessed hope, Titus 2.13, would include Jesus' return. This is why it's blessed. The resurrection and rapture. The union of believers with the living Christ. The deliverance of believers from persecution, in my view. The appearing of the glory, the second epiphany, will include his return, the resurrection, the rapture, and a great reunion. That's a blessed hope, amen? amen. Let me say it one more time. The blessed hope will include the resurrection of the dead in Christ, the rapture of the church, the union of believers with the living Christ, or a reunion, and then... He's going to judge the world, and I believe then is when we're going to have a new heavens, a new earth, or a new Jerusalem to inhabit. This is the blessed hope. And the biblical word for hope is not I hope so, it's I know so. It's just a matter of time. He's coming in God's time, and I want to be ready when he comes. Romans 8 says, we know the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. And not only this, but we ourselves, having the first fruits of, fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves. We're waiting eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. I am making more and more what I used to call Uncle Frank noises. <laughs> My Uncle Frank would bend over for things and go, ooh! Oh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> Mostly 
to try to garner compassion from the younger folks in the house. Can you get me that? Oh, it hurts when I, oh. We're groaning within ourselves. Waiting for what? The redemption of our body. This is the blessed hope. Amen. You are listening to Living Truth Radio with Pastor Michael Lance. I'm Mike Massaro, and I know what you're thinking. Wait, why are you interrupting Pastor Michael's sermon? Well, I have a good reason. Since Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported program, it relies on donations from people just like you to stay on the air. And trust me, you can't always assume that someone else is going to be the one doing the donating. So if God has blessed you through our ministry, we'd encourage you to go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the donate button. Let's face it, the way the world's going these days, we need all the solid teaching we can get. So partner with us today. That's livingtruthradio.org. Now, back to Pastor Michael. So many deaths around us. People die. Disease, death, and, and sometimes we say, is this the end of the story? No, we have a blessed hope. The appearing of the glory. He's coming again, folks. We are waiting for the hope of righteousness, Galatians 5.5. 5. In us, this riches, the riches of the grace of God has been made known. The glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You see, Titus 2.14 says, Jesus Christ gave himself. He gave himself, Titus 2.14, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed. He gave himself that he might redeem us. See that word redeem? That's the idea of buying out or buying back. He bought us with the price. Therefore, glorify God, 1 Corinthians 6, in your body. You've been bought with a price. You're not your own. You've been redeemed. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. How do you say it? By how you live. How do you respond to this awesome grace? By what you do now. You honor him. He gave himself for me, Galatians 2.20. He gave himself for us. We're the redeemed community. He bought us out of Egypt to save us as he took them to Mount Sinai from every what? Lawless deed. And he is purifying for himself a people for his own possession. What should we be now zealous for? Good deeds. Do good deeds excite you? Are you zealous for service? Uh, I'm not sure about the modern church. I know there's a lot of people with zeal in here for God and zeal for service, but there's a lot of Christians today that define their Christianity by once a week and how that went for an hour and a half. Are you zealous for good deeds? Does the zeal of the Lord consume you? You see, those who are saved by grace, man, the response is, I've been bought with a price and I want to be passionate for good deeds. Often after a person is born again, Francis Schaeffer says, they ask, what shall I do next? He is given a list of things usually of a limited nature and primarily negative. The true Christian life is not merely a negative not doing of any small list of things. Even if the list began is an excellent list of things to be aware of. 
We must still emphasize that the Christian life or true spirituality is more than refraining from certain external lists of taboos in a mechanical way. The other extreme is that there's people who say, well, if the Christian life is not a bunch of taboo things, things I shouldn't do, I'm into the more lax Christian life. Right? But in adopting that philosophy, sometimes those people compromise. And there's a middle ground here. We're saved by grace, but we want to please our master. And so we have to start asking some deeper questions in life. And I think anybody who's been saved for some time is asking deeper questions. The school of grace has caused me to look a little deeper. I start to ask about my motivations. Anybody else? I start to ask about my motivations of the good things I do and the temptation of the bad things. I'm looking a little deeper now. Why do I do what I do? Why do I give? Why do I do this? Why do I do that? I start to analyze, and I don't want you to drive yourself with a, crazy with the paralysis of analysis. Because some of you do that, right? I don't know, what was my motive there? I don't, ah! don't do that. Always fall back to grace, amen? But let grace, let that school of grace make you look a little deeper, we must realize that we, we don't do or uh, not do certain things just in a mechanical way. What should happen in our life should flow from a covenant that we're in, a new covenant, gratitude, honor, witness, and destiny. Let me say that one more time. What we do or don't do should flow from the new covenant, gratitude we have for God, honor, witness, and destiny. The school of grace keeps teaching me to say no to certain things, and yes to certain things. Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he's old, he won't, what, depart from it. So the school of grace tells me what to say yes to and what to say no to. And frankly, it's not that hard to figure out. When Christians begin to ask questions like, hey, uh, how close can you get to the edge without falling into the abyss? Tell me that, pastor. Can you... Can you look for 10 minutes? <laughs> Why are you asking that question? Have you ever been there before? The School of Grace even starts to challenge you about why you ask questions the way you do. Hmm. Not always comfortable, is it? <laughs> but God's doing a work. We're a bought people. And this is Old Testament language for how God bought Israel out of Egypt and wanted them to be a special people. And of course, they failed because what we need is grace and the power of the Holy Spirit. Canon Hay Aitken suggested, he wrote a book in the 1880s called The School of Grace, that the two comings of Christ are like two windows in the school of grace. We keep our eye out for his return, but we also never forget why we will be with him in the end. The school of grace always keeps its eye on two epiphanies. One, we celebrate this as at communion, right? We go to the communion table, we remember. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. But as often as we eat the bread and drink the cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The school of grace tells me I'm living between the times. I'm living in the last days between the first and second epiphanies. And because I live here, I'm in a school of grace. 
I look back to the finished work of Christ, cleansed by the blood, finished, done, declared righteous, but I'm looking forward to a second epiphany, and I live in the latter times, and that should affect my decision-making, amen? And it's not only about me. I want other people to get on the ark, amen? So final verse for this morning, these things speak. Paul, talking to Titus as a young pastor, these things, Titus, you are to speak to this, these congregations and exhort and reprove with all authority and let, verse 15, let no one disregard you. You're going to have times when people just want to dismiss what you have to say. <laughs> Get this, even church people. What? Oh, yeah. Oh, that, we don't need to worry about it. Right? And this is what was happening in the island of Crete. There were some people who were buying into the lies. And Paul says, look, you got to tell them. You got to speak these things, exhort these things, reprove. It's been said that the job of the pastor is to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. Let me say it one more time. The job of the pastor is to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. And all God's people said, ouch. <laughs> so we get kind of lax in our Christian life sometimes, right? And we need a little smack. Some people say, step on my toes, go ahead. I love that. Okay. <laughs> we need it, don't we? All right. Final story. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. In the, in the 17th century, a young boy was born into a Christian home. And for the first six years of his life, he heard the truths of the gospel and was dearly loved. Sadly, though, his parents died. The orphan boy went to live with his relatives and he was mistreated, abused, ridiculed, even for his interest in Christ as a young boy. As an orphan, he couldn't tolerate the situation, so he ran away and he fled and joined the Royal Navy. In the Navy, the boy's life just went downhill. Like most sailors of his day, he lived in rebellion and lived a debauched life. He became known as a brawler. He was whipped many times and he participated in torture of some of his own comrades. Finally, while he was still young, he deserted the Royal Navy and fled to Africa where he attached himself to a Portuguese slave trader he worked on slave ships, capturing slaves for sale to the plantations of the New World. There his life reached the lowest point it had ever reached. At one point, he became a slave himself. There were times when he actually ate off the floor on his hands and knees. He escaped and then became attached to another slave trader as his first mate on his ship. But the young man's pattern of life became just worse and worse. He stole the ship's whiskey one night and got so drunk that he fell overboard. One of the versions of the story says that he was close to drowning when one of his shipmates harpooned him and brought him back on board. As a result, the young man had a huge scar in his side for the rest of his life. He couldn't get much lower. Finally, in the midst of a great storm off the coast of Scotland, in the reading of Thomas A. Kempis's classic Imitation of Christ, it planted seeds that resulted in his conversion. 
After days and days of pumping water out of the boat, the young man began to reflect on verses that he had heard as a boy, and he was marvelously saved. He became a leader in the evangelical movement in the 18th century in England, along with such men as John and Charles Wesley and George Whitfield, and even William Wilberforce. On his tombstone is inscribed the following epitaph, written by John Newton himself. These words, John Newton, clerk, once an infidel and libertine, a servant of slavers in Africa, was by the rich mercy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ preserved, restored, pardoned, and appointed to preach the faith he had long labored to destroy. The new life he found is reflected in the famous words that he penned so long ago. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. Let me ask you, my friend, radio listener, if you're a Christian or not, are you prepared for the blessed hope? Are you prepared for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you saying, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus? I know this world's a crazy place and you may be you know, you may be thinking, man, we need to see this and we're going to see it. I'm not saying it's going to happen in our generation because I don't know for sure. But there's some interesting things just to keep an eye on that are unfolding in the world. And I would just say this. Every generation needs to be living in the light of the second coming. We don't know the day or the hour. Jesus did seem to indicate we can know seasons. We can have an idea of the timing. But here's the deal. Living in the light of the second coming. Whether Jesus comes in our lifetime or not, or we go to be with him at our last breath, we want to do all we can, occupying until he comes. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, get to know him. He's the king. He's coming again. What's going to really determine your destiny is whether or not he knows you or not, or you know him or not. He's either going to say, well done, good and faithful servant, or he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. Jesus is the judge. He's the king. All judgment's been given to the son. You need to know him. How do you know him, Pastor Michael? You might say, you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You come to know him through a relationship. You believe on him. You trust in him. You become his adopted child when you believe. You become part of his family. Believe in his death on the cross for you, his resurrection from the dead, and even his current ministry of intercession for his people. And if you need more help with that, we're here to help you. The uh, web address is livingtruthradio.org. It's livingtruthradio.org. You can reach out to us by calling us at the phone number that's there on the site as well. And we'd love to help you. But I would just say to you right now, before your head even hits the pillow, even in this moment, if you're driving, keep your eyes open. Lord Jesus, save me. Change me. I believe in you. I believe in your death on the cross, your resurrection. Save me. Make me a new man or woman after your heart. I want to follow you. I want to, I want to know you. And he will be faithful to save you. Reach out to us again. Let us know that you made that decision. On behalf of Oscar Santa Cruz and Andy Chapel, this is Pastor Michael, and we'll catch you next time on the program. God bless. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.